Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Sad Sisters Podcast. I'm Kerrigan. And I'm Maddie. And we are back with a special guest. Flew him all the way out from Vegas. <laughs> um, our good friend Dan Kundi is on today, and he's just going to be talking and sharing experiences. Before we get into it, let's roll our intro. guys thanks for coming back if you're still listening welcome to our 11th episode we finally hit double digits but we're here to learn about dan today tell us about it. yeah thanks for having me um i don't know where do you want do we just start from wherever just tell us about yourself first off all right so uh dan Kundi. i am from a small town very similar to judson and ended up going to going to iu south bend got a bachelor's degree there ended up going and getting a master's degree right now i'm living in las vegas so i've kind of gone around from a couple different jobs and opportunities and i'm out there with uh, my family and just enjoying it out there and i heard you were diagnosed with covid how was oh, that yes um it was good no, um, so <laughs> I got the new job. I started working uh, with a hospital in Las Vegas. I got there for about three weeks and got a call. I was just helping out, trying to be a good boss and helping out with some patient care. And I got a call the next day. I was like, hey, you're supposed to a COVID patient. I'm like, okay, no, no problem. Because we didn't know that that patient had COVID until the day later. Mm -hmm. um, I was like, okay, no problem. And then um, two days later, I had just like terrible body aches and... I, I was at work, ran a couple meetings that morning, and had some body aches. I was like, you know, I wonder if this is, I wonder if this is COVID. I didn't have a fever, um, so I got tested and came back positive. So I spent 14 days at home. It was about three or four days of just like weird body aches and pains. I did lose my um, smell and taste terribly and actually lost, my, I got my smell back. It's been three months. So like three weeks, two or three weeks ago, I started actually getting a smell back. So wow. it was about three months That's without crazy. being able to smell things. I could smell citrusy things and now I can start smelling other things. So it's been, it's been weird. Is uh, Vegas still like pretty dead because of COVID or is it more normal now? It's getting more normal. Everyone's wearing masks everywhere, obviously. Yeah. But when they look at like the Nevada numbers, there's really two cities in Nevada it's Reno and Las Vegas and mm -hmm. so where they're talking about the total number of cases in all of the state of Nevada isn't even close to like what New York was getting in a day so oh, okay. um, the, the volumes are actually very low for us but in comparison to other states speaking of your job um, how exactly did you get there all right so let me tell you I'll, I'll start kind of from the beginning and tell you my the whole story um, we can talk for like hours about this okay, we'll turn it into multiple <laughs> episodes <laughs> I was, like I said, a small town. I was a really good athlete. I was a basketball player and did really well in sports. I ended up playing um, college basketball. I don't know what it was. I was just super driven, super motivated. I always wanted to be the best. I always wanted to be first and do it the fastest. And mm -hmm. so... Um, everything I did, it was always like me picking at, okay, you're the first uh, male nurse. You're the first male nurse to be on the basketball team. I was always trying to be the first and try to get it done the fastest. So played sports. I was I was a good athlete, and I always pushed myself and worked hard because I just wanted to be the best. It was just that right. ego. Were you always like that, like even as a kid with that drive? I don't. It was, uh, I think it was mostly like just pride of i i don't know if it was a small town you know everyone always i hate when people go back and say well the way my parents raised me but mm -hmm. you know there's no to me it was you know my parents were super proud of me and i was right. like all right well i gotta you know my parents worked incredibly hard they worked multiple jobs and i was like well i gotta you know 
I almost felt like I had to pay them back. You know, mm -hmm. like I, I owed it to them for everything yeah. they had done for me. And so I graduated. I got a bachelor's degree in nursing. I started working in a nursing department for two years. I met my wife in college. She still had like a year left of school. And so a year after I got, uh, got out of school, I was working two jobs. I was working full time on a med surge floor um, in an ICU and then also working on an outpatient oncology unit. So I was working both. So I was working two part time one full-time, one part-time. So we working five days a week because I had nothing okay. else to do. And I was yeah. like, you know, it's fine. So about a year, I got bored. I was like, you know what? Let me see if I can go back to school. I was getting asked to do different leadership positions. And I was like, this is fun. Maybe I should get a master's degree in um, nursing administration. Mm -hmm. So I, I remember interviewing for the master's degree program. And they were like, well, you know, you're actually the only one. You either have to double up all your classes and catch up to the next class ahead of you where you have to wait a year. And I was like, I'll double up. So I doubled up all my classes. It was a three-year program. I got done in 18 months. Again, the youngest, uh, for me, it was the youngest person to get a, you know, a master's there. Mm -hmm. um, I did it the fastest and it really wasn't, they really weren't sure that I was going to be able to do it and keep up. And I did it. And then I presented my thesis and they were like, Hey, um, have you thought about teaching? We'd like to offer you a job. So I started teaching. So I was teaching online, working multiple jobs. Oh um, I started teaching with them. And then, so my wife had graduated and we're like, okay, um, I've got the degree. I've only been a nurse for like a year and a half, almost, it was about two and a half years then. I was mm -hmm. like, all right, well, let's go travel. So I started working as a travel nurse in the West Coast. I started working all over California. And then about a year into that, I got, I got recruited back to move back to Indiana to be a director of nursing. I happened to make a connection with somebody and I, you know, just networked really hard and they gave me an opportunity. So I came back, started working as a director of nursing at a hospital in Indiana. Again, I was the pride. I was addicted to the work. I loved it and just wanted to keep doing more. I was working long hours, taking work home. And then after two years, I got results that they had never seen before. And they were like, there's opportunity. My boss that hired me um, left and her job was open mm -hmm. to run the hospital. And so they were like, you're the youngest director of nursing we've ever had, but you've got the best scores. They asked me to apply, interviewed with a bunch of other people that were probably more qualified, convinced them to hire me. So I got the job. At the age of, I think it was 28, I was the director of nursing. At the age of 30, I was running the whole hospital. So I started yeah. doing that. Once I got there, so everything I was working for, you know, up to that point, the stress that I put on myself, the pride and the pressure I put on myself, the anxiety I was going through, that was something that I used as a tool really to just keep going. Mm -hmm. It was also kind of an excuse to not do other things. So I was so focused on just, you know, getting the next title, getting a pay raise, making more money. There were things that I definitely realized that I was, you know, not focused on or mm -hmm. not paying enough attention to. I sacrificed time with family, with friends, and all because I was like, you know, one day it's going to pay off. Let me right. do this all now. I'll get to the top and then I'll stop and I'll be happy. I'll finally be happy. <laughs> So I'm sitting in my corner office with this custom desk and I'm looking around at all these accolades and I'm like, I just feel miserable. Mm -hmm. yeah. This is not what I thought it was going to be. It does like all the stuff that I, you know, have and have done. It's like, it means nothing. And around the same time I had my second kid. I had to, there was a couple of things that I had to like leave the house for and it kind of made me realize like, this isn't, you know, this whole thing I've been chasing this whole time isn't isn't what I even wanted, isn't mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I think there's a quote by Jim Carrey he talks about, I hope everyone accomplishes every dream or every goal they've ever had so that when they get there they can realize that's not the answer to happiness yeah and that was it I was, I was there and I was like this is miserable I stayed in that position for about two years but I knew pretty quickly once I got into the role within six months um I was like this isn't you know and you know even if I was going to work for the next 
I don't even want it. I don't want to, you know, I don't want it on the next job up. I don't want to keep working for the next title. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I didn't want it. And it's so weird to think that, you know, why wouldn't you want to, you know, then keep double going. your income and keep going because I could have. So about a year into it, uh, my wife and I started talking and was like, hey, I think I need to make a change in just my life and lifestyle. This isn't what I want. And so I knew I was going to take, I was thinking, okay, Matt, maybe I'll just leave healthcare and try to do something else. Um, just anything. So started going a different direction where we were looking, let's move out west again and just try to reset kind of where we're at as a family and you know what I'm doing. Um, so this uh, director of nursing position popped up, which is kind of a, st it's a step down mm. um, from what I was doing before, but the opportunity allowed me to have a little more work-life balance. Right. And so it kind of helped me take a step back and kind of see, you know, let me spend more time with family. Let me there was one time that I was at home um, in Indiana and it was like 100 degrees out and um, it's humid out, it's muggy and the power goes on our house. And when the power goes on our house, we're on the same line that the hospital I was working at was on. So the power goes up there. Now they have a generator, but I got a call like 30 minutes later after the power went out and they're like, hey, um, something's not right with the electricity. We need you to come in. And it was like nine o'clock at night. My wife is sitting on the floor with two kids. They're both crying and screaming because it's hot. They're uncomfortable. We yeah. have no power in the house. I'm like, honey, I got to go into work. And I probably went back until like two in the morning. And she was like, are you serious? And I just felt like, just like the, like the defeat that she had. Yeah. And I was like letting her down. I was like, this isn't, I shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. Having like, to make the choice between work and family. Yes. And, you know, to, to the credit of, you know, people who are in that position, all the people I worked with that were at that level, they're all much older. They got 20 or 30 years on me. They've got grandkids. They don't have kids at home waiting for them. You know? Yeah, that's definitely and so, a different situation. Yeah, so for me, it's almost like I'm living you know, a full-time career at a different level and you know, still trying to balance being at home and stuff. And it just, I don't know, it just wasn't where I needed to be at mm -hmm. at that point in my life. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we decided after that and one other thing that happened and I was like, this, I gotta stop this. This isn't, for one, I'm not happy with you know, I thought when I got to the top, I could chill and relax. But right. once you're up there, there's more responsibility. There's even more responsibility yeah. and more pressure to keep it. Because if you lose it, then you know, then people are like, you lost it, and so it's even worse. So I decided I would, I would remove myself from the situation and just kind of re reset and reflect. Yeah, I had mentioned to you that I could tell just by your Facebook posts and what little I do know about you that resetting yourself is very important to you. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the drive again. I think you know ego and pride and just trying to again, just you know, being the best and trying to find like you know, this is what's going to make me happy. Mm -hmm. And I remember even um, I always thought it's got to be good enough for me. It's you know, I'm trying to trying to be good enough for even myself. Like just being happy with you know, being proud of myself. Mm -hmm. I graduated with my master's degree and I graduated with honors, sigma theta tau. And they're like, hey, you know, your graduation order your robe and come to graduation on this day, you're going to get some honors or something. And I just didn't even show up. Didn't order. Because wow. I, in my mind, it was like, other people have a master's degree. It's not that hard. Wow. Like, for me, it wasn't even good enough. For me, I thought, it's not a doctorate. So, yeah. you know, I that's just how I was at yeah, that point. Yeah, you're just like, not taking in the accomplishments as they're coming. Yes, like, it was never good enough. And I would... And anytime I got an accolade or award or something, it was it was great for like five seconds, and then it was gone, and I had to get the next one. 
because right. that one wasn't good enough anymore because other people, you know, because yep. that's just how my mind worked. Did that come from a place of happiness or was it more of like a, because I think about that drive and that drive sounds like misery, you know what I mean? So concentrated. Did you ever have breakdowns where you're just kind of like either really pissed or like really upset or were you on the ball all the time? Because even thinking about doubling up on classes, that makes me want to have a breakdown. It's just you did so much in such a small amount of time. My mind is blown from that. Yes. Uh, yeah, it was, there's a old, I don't know how old it is, a country song that is, if you're going through hell, keep on moving, don't mm. slow down, walk right through it. And that was what I did for years. And then I would like work, work, work and go crazy. And then like have a week where it would just like crash and I just couldn't do it. And so, yeah, there were definitely times where I would break down, you know, look out for a mentor or someone that I could go to and be like, I'm just going to quit all this and go to, go to I'm going to just go work at Taco Bell. Like, I don't know like, this is just I've been there like eight times. In the past, like three years, so yeah, there's been times where, like, I walk out of the it's only happened twice, I think, right? I walked out of a meeting and it wasn't even like an intense meeting, but just the stress of everything, and all of a sudden, you get this like panic attack where it's you get tunnel vision. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and I remember calling my, my doctor, being like, I think this is a panic attack, but I'm not sure. And we talked through, like, yeah, you had a little panic attack, and it wasn't even like at that time a stressful situation it was just out of nowhere yeah do you yeah. think that your drive could be like anxiety driven like you want to be the best and you kind of fear failure a little bit yes yeah so okay. for one the anxiety was definitely a tool that i used to like keep going and keep moving mm-hmm. forward and then the other part of it was like you know i just felt like i wasn't good enough just mm-hmm. feeling like i'm garbage so i've got to keep i've got to keep doing more i've got to keep doing the next thing because i just had such uh probably low self-esteem yeah. yeah like i said i was chasing that high of someone saying like hey good job that's your drug is uh, getting an what is it a compliment about your your work ethic or what awards you've made yeah Yeah. that's literally like such a high when somebody is like good job when you get recognized for something yes that's why i love to like diy and everything because i love to impress people so (laughs) i i it's so funny because yours is like i relate to always reaching and always trying to find the next thing Except mine is on such like a different scale. Yours is so academic and much more impressive. I have a different set of skills, like building my own house. I want to be impressive to other people so badly, but I don't impress myself because I'm like, so what? I could do more. Yeah, and I think I mentioned before, it's almost like, well, if I can do it, then anyone can do it, and it's not that impressive anymore. Mm-hmm. So if I accomplished mm-hmm. it, it was like, I'm not that great. So if I did it, it's not, it must not be that great. That's probably why you wanted to be the first person to do this. Exactly, you know? like, yeah. Makes sense. Yes. That was kind of where, so the anxiety and just putting the pressure and stress on myself was just like, you got to keep doing more. You got to keep doing more. And I, there was another time when I'm going to brag on myself more. Please yeah, do. <laughs> um, so I got to, I got to speak at two national nursing conferences. This is a huge conferences mm-hmm. in the U S and I got to go speak at two. And I remember driving it, My wife keeps me humble because she has no idea what I do and has no interest. <laughs> and I'll come home and tell her like, Hey, you know, I'm sorry. I'm home late. Just crazy stuff going on here's all this and she was like so did you bring me dinner or and it's like what i just did like, no idea. so yeah. i remember like driving back and trying to explain to my wife how big of a deal it was to speak at this conference she was like oh okay i'm like do you want to come she's like no it's kind of a far drive i'm like all right thanks <laughs> yeah um, so she definitely uh keeps me humble so is public speaking not a big deal for you then i thrive on it? it and here's why again because my ego if someone's gonna step there and you're gonna put me in a room full of like a thousand people 
they have to listen to me. Yeah. So I thrive on that. <laughs> Mine was the opposite. I remember, like, when I was in the Navy, uh, I worked with probably, like, a solid 25 people that I saw every day, and I had to read the plan of the day, and I was, like, standing up there, my legs were, like, vibrating. You could see my, like, my cabbies just, like, shaking, and my voice was really weird, and they're like, are you okay? And I'm, like, sweating. Oh, I love that performance. That I don't know. I just love that performance that... that being able to, you know, speak in front of people, I enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Again, the other thing that I kind of hit on when I got to that point was, and I don't know, I don't know if I regret it or not, because I did get to a point where, like, now mentally I can sit back. So, you know, over the last year, it's been a lot of, or the last year and a half is when I kind of realized, like, hey, I need to change this, and where I've kind of found these different way of thinking and living, and where I was kind of like, you know, I missed a lot from, I was physically there, but mm -hmm. I was never really there. And right. I mentioned to you, like, I always live 12 seconds ahead of where I am right now. I love mm -hmm. that. I've said that, like, 10 times since you said that to me. <laughs> and a lot of it, again, like, some people are like, oh, my gosh, that sounds crazy or that sounds amazing. Because I have, I'm so type A that I can look like a type B. And people are like, you're not, you're not type A. You're definitely calm and relaxed. It's like, no, because before I got here, I planned out, in my mind, every scenario that could have happened or taken place. And I have a plan for it. <laughs> you're finding yourself, like talking to yourself at home like, hi, I'm Dan, or hi, um, I'm not going to say it like that, I'm going to say it like this. But, Sometimes I do that in my mind, right? but I'm too embarrassed to like say it out loud, like I can't even talk to the Alexa because I get weird about it. <laughs> I'm such like a, if I'm planning, like I have to write it down, it has to be like a visual thing. We actually heard uh, Matthew McConaughey do an interview the other day that he doesn't write stuff down to like look back on it, he writes it down so he can forget it, and that is me. Yep. I have like six different journals and I think they all yes. are for their own thing, but they're really just like mumbo jumbo of the craziest stuff just so I can get it out of my brain. Yep, I do the same thing. I keep a notepad next to my bed because if I am up thinking about something, I can write it down and then I have to worry about it because otherwise I'm, I'm, I'll be up all night. Same. Yeah, and in the same exact way. Yeah, it's a nightmare. I've never tried that. I can just turn my brain off and go to bed within I know. like three seconds. I like so envy that about you, but I also like know you as a person. <laughs> you just disassociate. I do. Like if I'm not interested, I'll just be like, then I'll just be on a different planet. <laughs> yeah. It's a curse, but I kind of love it. I'm, I'm like the same way, like I said, in the way that I like to plan things. I love to be impressive, but I just think I'm a lesser version of, I feel like you just handle it a lot better than I do. <laughs> to be impressive and make it look like it wasn't that hard. Exactly. Right? Like, yes. Oh, it's not a big but deal. But I have no a podcast one. that everybody knows that I'm insane, so. <laughs> <laughs> everybody knew I was insane before the podcast. <laughs> yeah, you, you keep it together so well. I told Maddie I was so excited to have you on because you're just so well-spoken and yeah. you seem so put together. I'm like, he's going to make us sound so smart. <laughs> you're like the version of when you take like whatever mental issues you have, but make it great. Do you know what I mean? Like, Yes. You took your anxiety and it sent you places where mine just sends me to like my bed and the fridge sometimes. So. <laughs> yeah, I definitely use it as a tool for sure. But like I said, I, I feel like, you know, I, I guess I don't regret it. But at the same time, there were a lot of moments with my kids. And I've even bragged to my friends like, oh yeah, if I'm taking care of the kids or working with them, I'll just put headphones on and listen to an audiobook. So I'm learning and working with the kids at the same time. Mm -hmm. Like I'm physically there with them, but I'm not. And I never lived in moments with people, so I have a terrible memory of high school and even on because I was never there. I was always planning ahead of what the next thing was going to happen and mm -hmm. predicting and, and, you know, manipulating. I don't know. I always would say, I'm not a manipulator. If I influence my team, I don't yes. manipulate them. But I, I played chess. The politics that when you get into healthcare is uh, at that level is insane at most places. And I was, I loved it. I was driven by it just to be able to like, 
I don't know, again, it was like that pride, that power of the control of like, you know, looking for the next job, the pay raise, and for me to be able to like go to talk to someone and know that I'm going to be able to manipulate a situation in my favor later on in a boardroom or something like that. Mm -hmm. I, that happens with everyone, and we call it, I would say, it was in, I was influencing, you know, trying mm -hmm. to get my way and influence things, but uh, I don't know. Looking back on it, it was probably super manipulative. Since yeah. getting the next job, just moving up is like a big high for you. Did you ever get upset if you got criticized? Like, did you take that harder? No. no. My ego was so big that it didn't matter. It didn't even dent the ego. It's so just... I would say, uh, what is it? Uh, a lion doesn't worry about the opinions of sheep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I would, like, what you're saying doesn't matter. And, you know, when you're in leadership um, and you're moving in, you know, small town to small town, when you're successful or doing well, yeah, everyone, you know, there's a good section of people who are going to like you and want to be in your pocket. And there's a good portion of people who are just going to, like, rip on you and try to bring you down. Yeah, no matter yeah. what. Yeah, we, that makes sense. It's... Did you ever have any like big failure that you still think about because you've had so many successes but did, did anything just ever like not go right even though you put all your effort into it so what i would always say is um i never failed i just wasn't finished mm -hmm. and so if there ever was a setback or anything that i had done that was a setback it's just well it's not done yet like mm -hmm. there's always little setbacks and so that was it's weird because it's been a long time since i thought about that mm -hmm. but yeah it was always like that's how driven it was for me like there was no failure and I believe in, you know, setting a goal and, you know, all of your, putting all your energy in folks that you can, you know, manifest any future, any goal or any accomplishment that you want mm -hmm. and you'll get there. And that's what it was for me. Actually, when I first got to, when I came back from California, I got to Indiana, I um, hired the supervisor in within the first like three or four weeks. And we sat down and I was like, here's the vision for it. And I said, this is what's going to happen. And um, in a year, I'm going to be running these other two departments In two years, I'm going to be running all these departments and then four years on a run the hospital and they're like oh, okay and it happened like step by step exactly the way I said it was gonna happen exactly what was gonna happen and it's funny because she even checks in with me still and we're like I can't believe that that happened and you know we had it written out and it was like this is how it's gonna go and it's exactly what happened and I had goals of I had timelines and deadlines and I was like alright I'm gonna set this goal for two years but I'm gonna do it in 18 months and it didn't matter how I did it or you know it was just that's the way it was going to go. Was that, like, extremely hard going through school that fast? I would also say I'm not super smart, like, book smart, mm -hmm. to where my sister, she can read a book, she can read a chapter of a book and have it memorized. Mm -hmm. I would have to read it, like, seven or eight times to, like, get a B on the mm -hmm. test. Like, I had to study two or three times as hard as everyone else. And I knew that. So, like, you know, my... I, my roommates, they would go out and party, and I'd still be reading a book, trying to, mm -hmm. you know, highlight in different colors. I'd record myself reading, listen back to it in the car as I drove around. Like, I had to do it to pass. I knew what I needed to do to had kind of figured out where my weaknesses were. And Yeah, you understand yourself, so you knew what to do. Yeah. I feel like you have, like, the ultimate, like, understanding of the way your brain works. You know, like, when to push things and when to hold back on things. Uh, not so much in, like, personal lives, but right. in academic and, yeah. like, achieving things. Yeah. So, and I created this, um, I created this, like, teaching lesson, and people would, I got paid to go to a couple universities and, and talk on it and um, present to students students this like paradigm that I had for accomplishing goals and it would break down work backwards set a goal work backwards you know um, seven habits of highly effective you know touch on that create a vision and goal for yourself so I would always use the example of um, you know once you're in the here I'll use my personal example here once you're a CEO or once you're a hospital administrator you know that's your end goal so I'd gotten the job and I was presenting this to a bunch of students 
and um, showing them on the, on the whiteboard and writing it all out, and a girl raised her hand. She's like, so now that you've accomplished that, now what do you do? I had no answer. I was like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I don't know. Like, there's nothing more that I want to do after that. And what I kind of was, what I realized after I, I had a lot of reflection after that and realized, like, I was at the time when I knew it wasn't what I wanted to do anyway. Right. But um, I think, you know, the end goal, if you're, all those goals that I had for myself was really looking for just, like, happiness to fill this void in this mm-hmm. hole that, um, that I was just trying to fill with, like, all these other things. I realized that, you know, along the way, creating, like, a vision for yourself, like, happiness is something that, it's a journey, they always say it's a journey, it's yes. not a destination. And I don't think, without having lived that and gone down to the point where I was, like, at a breaking point of, like, this is not what I wanted. I would never have understood that until I got there. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was trying to think about this podcast, like, okay, well, what would I want people to take away from, you know, this? Because, again, I don't think that it'd be very difficult if someone told me all this. They said, listen, if you're going to become a hospital administrator, it's not going to make you happy. I'd be like, no. I got it. Like, that's exactly what's going to make me happy. I'm going to have more money. I'm going to have the best job in the hospital. It's going to make me happy. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have believed it. Until I got there and I was like, yeah, this is not, this is not where happiness is at. Are you starting to realize now where your happiness lies? Yes. So, um, so the other thing that we wanted to do, we moved, when we moved out there was like, all right, we need to get involved with the family, you know, families and church. And one of the big things that we've kind of, that I've come to realize, I've always felt like, you know, I'm not a good person and I'm not, you know, I'm not good enough. And so I've really found just more happiness and honestly, just in God and just saying like, listen, God created me and Mm -hmm. for me to, you know, say that something he made isn't good is is not a good thing to do. Yeah. So I found a lot in just being closer with the church and being a part of that, but then also just being able to step, you know, away and realize that like there's a work-life balance here where I can say, say like, how much money is enough? Mm -hmm. You know, what's the, when is the title going to be enough? And I knew that it wouldn't ever be enough. And what was more important was the time with my, my kids and just being able to spend time with them and for them to see me and to learn from me. That is where I've, and just walking into the house, you guys don't have kids, but walking into the house <laughs> and your kids screaming like dad and is the best, is the biggest ego boost. It's the most, it's the happiest I've ever been. Yeah. They, every day we get home cause they're, they're staying across the street right yeah. now. We get home every day and they do like this little dance. They're so excited every time we get home and we, you know, we only go over there for five minutes a day to hang out with yeah. them, but they are so excited to see us every day. And I just go, Ooh, that's so, I need one of those. <laughs> the amount of love you get from a kid and like that type of love, there is, there is nothing else like that. Mm-hmm. And once I had that, I was like, I don't, I'm chasing stuff that doesn't even this is so much more important. Yeah, it, it doesn't provide so that kind of feeling like from work rather than like Yes, kid. it's the biggest, and I don't know if it's good or not because we'll find out when they move out one day that yeah. it's like, oh, now I'm not happy again. <laughs> you get back the, here. Right. You're moving back in. Right, when they're 13 and they're calling me, you know, telling me I'm an idiot or whatever. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Not to bring it back to career again, but just from like talking to you, I could see you being a politician of some sort. And have you ever thought about doing that? Yeah. Actually, when I was in, when I moved back to Indiana, um, I got involved with a little bit of politics here and there. But again, the game was fun because politics is a game. Mm-hmm. I was good at it. We're talking about this, you know, self-reflection and me being aware of um, myself 
makes it easier for me to relate to other people and connect with them and kind of um, influence uh, others too because uh, I was just not book smart but I was good at reading people mm-hmm. so politics was something that I was interested in mm-hmm. um, but not enough I, it was around the time where I could have gotten into it was around the time where I was like this is I put enough on my plate and this whole time I've, I'm still teaching I've been teaching online this whole time since 2000 I'm doing it since I graduated from from that university. Are you still doing that? I still teach, yeah. Nice. And is that more stressful or is it a more enjoyable part? I've always loved teaching. And I think, again, because uh, in teaching, my ego, I'm the expert. They want right. to hear from me and I get to talk to them. Um, so they have to listen. What class do you <laughs> And teach? then I get to grade them. Um, I teach <laughs> healthcare policy and I also teach nursing informatics. Oh, okay. Uh, getting back into your kids, I know that you post a lot about how your kids perceive you. Uh, has that been hard teaching and letting your kids be a sponge off of you? Yes, I, I enjoy it and um, so I enjoy kind of looking at it from their perspective and actually I love writing. I've also kind of dabbled in writing, um, you know, from their perspective, like Sawyer, my daughter, she's four. So on the move out here, you know, what would it be like for her seeing it from her eyes of like, we just packed up all of her toys in a box and she hasn't seen them since. I love that. So her perspective on, I think it's kind of removing myself from the situation where I'm so frustrated with my daughter or son and they're four. Mm-hmm. Like, what is more ridiculous, me arguing with a four-year-old or a four-year-old <laughs> argument? Like, why am I so upset with her? I'm an adult arguing with her. Yeah. Yes. Is she sassy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I know that you will say perceive something a certain way, like uh, your kid's being fussy, but then I know you like to like reflect in it and turn around and... Like you said, see it through their eyes and you're, like I said, I've gotten most of my stuff from Facebook. I crept on you so hard. But uh, how you'll turn it around and instead of being frustrated with both of them, you'll turn it into how they made you happy or how they were happy and just kind of restructure the situation or the moment. Yeah. So one I think is just like having empathy for them and trying to understand it from their perspective is like, all right, all they see is this person who they love and admire so much. Like I said, when I walk in the door, I'm like, you know, just the best thing. Mm -hmm. And that's how they see me. And all of a sudden I'm yelling at them for what? And again, it's over what? So there are little things that I, I let go or, you know, if a kid is banging on a table and it's like, it's not bothering anyone else. And usually you get frustrated and angry with it. It's like, Mm -hmm. Hey, stop, Hey, stop, Hey, stop. It's like, why? You know, she's she's learning. She's trying to, you know, she's she's learning. She's trying to play. She's trying to figure things out. What does this noise do? What is it? What is, how about if I bang on this? Mm-hmm. And I think if I look at it more from her perspective and, like, let her be a kid and let her grow, but then still guide her in a way that is, um, you know, mutual respect. And that kind of, I'm still trying to figure that one out, too, because I want us to have a mutual respect. There are times where it's like, okay, I listen to you. It's, it's your turn to listen to me. This is what we're going to do because mm-hmm. it's the right thing to do. And she'll turn around and say, I listen to you. Now it's your turn to listen to me. This is what we're going to do. I'm like, no, no, no. It does, unfortunately, <laughs> there is a mutual respect, but at the end of the day, I guess I still, you still have to listen to me. <laughs> I am all authority. This is a safety concern at this point. She's going to be uh, charismatic then when she gets older. She, yeah, she's got both of me and my wife's just attitude and sarcasm. <laughs> she's so sarcastic. It's insane. Well, she's so sweet, though. <laughs> no, I've... Uh, I struggle to sometimes with, you know, how I post and what I post. And so you'll see oftentimes I'll post like three, three or four weeks in a row. I put out content or posts or reflections and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I like when people respond like, Hey, 
this really helped me or hey um, you know thanks for sharing because this is what I'm struggling with too so then I stop you know because it makes me feel good and I'm nervous right. that like what am I doing this for am I doing it for a like and a post or am I doing this because for one it's you know it's therapeutic for me but secondly I've got friends that love to hear that I've had tons of friends that have reached out and been like hey you're you as a parent is um you know, you're inspiring to me. I look up to you. I love it personally. Thank you. Thank you. But then again, that like feeds for me, it's a good, it's trying to figure out the balance of like, all right, uh, someone complimented me. So the next time I do it, am I doing it for another compliment or am I doing it because, you know, Hey, and again, you know, you know, God gave me these gifts. He he did give me gifts at the Mm -hmm. end of the day, gave me these gifts. And for me not to use them or for me to try to have, you know, be humble or um, try to swallow my pride or something is almost, again, I go back to like him, you know, this, you know, I'm a reflection of his work. Yeah. I feel like, uh, you know, going in and doing things in a way that isn't, um, you know, trying not to be prideful and, you know, trying to be, you know, humble in different ways. Um, that's kind of the end goal. Hard to not be prideful. Like even, even like I said, to keep bringing it back to like us in our podcast, I love putting it out and like anybody who reaches out who goes, wow, that really helped me. You guys are great. Like that is such an ego boost. And people like actually love genuine content. There's nothing really surface about what I say. It's usually really like what happened to me or yeah. like, you yeah. know how I really feel and people soak that up. So I bet people love your posts then and it's probably good to continue because we need more genuineness authenticity, yeah. I'm so tired of seeing like the you know the same just kind of fake we put our like most raw thoughts out onto the internet and in a way it's like we feel great about it because people are telling us how much they love it but it's like fixed my brain this year like I said it's very hard to find that line between not being prideful and then also being proud of your work that's exactly like for I think it's completely good to be proud of your work and do something that you love and something that that makes you happy and I think that's you know make sure that you know for me again am I doing it to make money or to get you know more power or is because I genuinely enjoy it and you know take a step back and and do things for the right reason. Yeah, it's always the intention, I think, that means the most at the end of the day. Like, where your mind is behind your actions. Yeah. If it's somewhere good, then you're probably doing something good. And it's interesting to think, like, how unique we think we are and, like, special. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm so, no one else is going through this. No one, you know. And then you throw something out there and you get, like, six people message you yeah. back, like, this is mm-hmm. exactly what I'm going through right now. Yep. So it's interesting to, to know and to see that. And then also just to, like, you know, let people know, like, I don't have an answer for this, but this is what's going on. And mm-hmm. for them to be like, I don't either, but I'm, this is the same thing. Yeah, that's kind of what we do with each other. Yeah. <laughs> Just finding anybody who has a likeness in what you're going through is... Therapeutic like, for sure. Not even therapeutic. I just honestly think it's what the world should be about. Like It should be. It should be more... Just know. genuine connection. Like you coming in and telling us everything. You know, I just know so much more about, you know... I just, like hear your story from the perspective of somebody who's like, my brain does not work that way yeah. at all. So it's like, I don't know. Like I want it to work that way to be very much I need to achieve and do things. But I... I'm like kind of terrified of messing up so I'm very I don't know I was the opposite I was like really book smart had straight A's all through high school until I got depressed and then like now that I'm doing better again I I get straight A's and it's pretty like easy for me like it's not I don't feel like I'm trying hard to do it but I just wish I had your drive to do 
things. Maddie's on the journey of being a try. That's our goal this year. I try less, you try harder. Yeah, I'm trying to try. When you said that you uh, try not to watch Netflix, for me it's like, what, do I, what else do I have to do here? I don't know. That's my eternal struggle is, what am I going to do? Like, if I'm broke and there's nothing to do, it's rainy out. I really prided myself on how lean I could think and how lean I could do my work. And so I was very quick at everything. I got it done and then there was no downtime. I never mm -hmm. had downtime. Even when I was with, you know, when I started dating my wife, I was studying and we were watching a movie. Then we would go do, I remember being at weddings and having notes in my pocket or, and pull them out at a wedding. And I was like studying while being at a wedding. There was never any downtime when I was at work. Um, you know, if I was at home, I was, I was planning and strategizing. Like I said, I was never truly there. And so I just couldn't shut it off. And you're like, oh, I wish I had that. But again, I still struggle with trying to figure out like okay would it if I would could have done it differently would would I have because then I wouldn't be I'm in a sweet spot right mm -hmm. now and I, I got to the point where I had to stop or keep going and it would have destroyed you know destroyed my life my personal life mm -hmm. and um I broke off you know relationships with family and friends and I always had the excuse of like and they even excused it for me and they were saying like well so which I was I was a busy guy and you know he's Running a, running a building in a hospital and are doing this. And so even for them, um, you know, I, I have a lot of guilt and shame over like being tired at events. Mm -hmm. I'm going back to the holidays and, you know, being grumpy with everyone. And they're like, well, he, he had to work late last night, so it's okay. And they, you know, they excuse it away and I excuse it away. Right. And then I would come home and my wife's like, well, he's, he's just working hard. You know, I'll, you know, I'll do the dishes at night or something or, you know, I'm getting mad at my kids because, I'm on a work email or doing a work phone call at home and they're playing in the background and I'm like yelling at them to stop. Mm -hmm. That's like, they just want to spend time with you. Yeah. And it's an excuse. And it's like, well, that's okay because he's working. That's not okay. Right. Like there has to be that time where you like shut down and relax. And yeah, because at the end of the day, your work, not saying you're not important, but down the road, like nobody's going to give a shit. And yeah. But your kids will forever cherish the, you know, the hikes you take Sawyer on every weekend. And, yes. you know, she'll think back to that and think, Oh, my dad did this with me every weekend. He took the time with yeah. me once a week to spend this time with me. But I think that's like a fault in our culture. Like we never hear that it's a bad thing to work too much. Like that's not, you know what I mean? Like to achieve too much. Like it's never, never right. a bad thing. Yeah, we see people who are like comfortable with being, I don't want to say like a, like subpar in things, but like in, in my views, like somebody who is, you know, older and just cool with like being a barista at Starbucks the rest right. of their lives. To me, I'm like, I don't get that. But yep. that's, you know, it's not my place. It's not my... Yeah, no, and I, same, like, I almost look down on those people like, oh, you don't want to just be that for the rest of your life, but it's like, if that's what makes you happy and you, you know, then why not? It is just a job. And right. I think us as, you know, our age group, um, which we're in the same age group, um, <laughs> our age group, you know, my parents and grandparents, it was work. It was just right. kind of working your workhorses. And I had, I had that because I saw that growing up. Same. Yeah, and that so was, that's yeah, what I thought. My dad worked like 80 hours somehow. Yeah, and my, when I was young, my mom went to college like she worked in a factory and went to college and then she told me one time that I was like four years old and I walked up to her and she graduated and I walked up to her with a book. I said, mom, you got to do your job because oh. I had never seen her like chill. Yeah. Because she's like, that's not how I wanted you to remember me. Right. Aw. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, there was no downtime for Netflix. Like there was, mm. if I had an hour to spare, it was okay, do I watch Netflix or do I read this book or read this journal or work on this or write this and, you know, try to get the next thing. Cause it was a waste of time. It was a waste of my time to relax. I think I want to start way. doing that more because it's easy for me to just shut my brain off and like watch something because then I'm not 
stressing about what I should be doing. And usually I don't know what I should be doing. So. You should. I'm telling you, you should shut your brain off. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Not do what I do. I, even when my wife and I would watch movies, I'd work out during that time or we'd have a movie on. I'd be cleaning in the background. And it's like, I didn't need to do that. But I just me. couldn't sit still. Yeah, I'm the same way. I, I think I actually mentioned this on like one of our first couple podcasts. Me and Matt were like having a nice date night on the roof the other night. And I was literally like stretching because I wanted to, be, and we always say this, I want to be as productive as I yes. can be. And it's it's honestly so annoying. <laughs> and I, I, I know I mentioned that like, I felt like Matt had gotten like a prize in me, <laughs> but I'm I'm like literally insane that I have to be doing something at all times and like, I, and that's what I mean. You and I are the same, but in a different, yes. at different levels, you know, like I constantly want to be like updating our house. And I don't remember the last weekend that I just sat and did nothing. I'm constantly go, go, go. And Matt is just the one who like brings me back and goes, just sit down and watch a movie with me. And it's hard. Yeah. My family came back on vacation in Indiana. That's why I'm back here. Not only to do the podcast too, maybe. Yeah, sorry. But, just make you more busy. Yes, we flew yeah. him out with my yes. $3. Yeah. Spirit Airlines. <laughs> so I've been in Las Vegas by myself for 10 days. So I get home from work. It's quiet. And I decided, okay, no TV. I'm not going to try to do anything. Like I purposely said, I'm not going to try to learn. I'm not going to like do anything. I would go home and I would just like, just relax and not feel bad about not doing something. That's what I would say. Like, do that more. If you can sit no. there and watch Netflix. See, I do it too much. I'm literally <laughs> the exact opposite. I need to find a middle ground. So I'm starting a new job tomorrow, but like after I get off work, I need to be productive for like two hours and then relax because once I get in that routine, I'm like feeling good. But as soon as I slip off into the Netflix void and like just only do that, <laughs> I feel like shit. Yeah. I always say I try to do one productive thing after work a day because that's the only it's realistic if not i just drive myself crazy i make huge long lists and i go that's not realistic list i can't person. i am I'm like such a list person <laughs> i have like multiple lists and i look back at them i'm like why does this one just say spinach from like a year ago <laughs> it's just a password but not even what it's to i'm like oh, <laughs> you also like add in stuff that you did on your list and then cross it out oh. you already did it so you write it down and cross it out just to get the satisfaction right? no, yeah. I'll, <laughs> i hate myself for this but i'll literally write it on sticky notes as like a rough draft list and then write it in my notebook once it's once I'm like content with the list yes. of what I want, what you I want to organize too, in the it's, order that you need it. Do you even number them? Like I'm gonna do this. One, I'm a two, bullet three. point person. That yeah. way I can put the little check next to the yeah, bullet. Oh yeah, I found a list. One of the few actual lists I made, and it was from at least over a year ago because I was cleaning out my car today, and I found a notebook. And I was reading through, and they were all like pretty valid things that I should have been doing. None of them were checked off. But then I got to a box, and it just said. Stop being depressed, piece of shit. <laughs> that is not helpful. I, and I, I did not listen. <laughs> I actually looked at my um, New Year's resolution this today because I was I was yeah. going over Dan's list, and on that list was uh, create a bond with Maddie. Oh, we have a bond. I know. <laughs> But That's yeah, precious. I'm such a list. I don't know. It's, it's, I'm insane. I, I can't explain like how just my, a week, I think I have adult ADHD. That's how bad okay. my brain is. 
will be doing my list and I'll walk into the room that the task is in and then I'll be thinking of my list and go, oh yeah, I need to go throw clothes on the dryer because that's going to take longer than this and I'm just all over the place and so the lists help me tame that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I and again, when I was in college, I remember I would even have to write in, like, you need to take a lunch break at 12.30. I was so organized and so focused on stuff. If I didn't write in, like, oh, it's 12, I need, and I would set alarms so mm -hmm. I knew, like, you know, stop studying now or, you know, go on to this next thing now. I have to write in, like, lunch. 12, 1230 mm -hmm. so I can go eat and I have like 15 minutes for lunch and then I go to the next thing all my clothes are organized from in color all the books are organized from size now that I've got kids I've been able to release that realize that I can't control everything right because um, <laughs> the place is a mess I but, have Matt so I feel you yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> that was Bruce when he and I got married and I'll try on 20 outfits and then just throw them on the floor and then he's like, he would lose his mind <laughs> right. he's like, like you guys but add in an element of anger <laughs> rage cleaning oh yeah Whatever you get angry, it's like, I just got to clean this place. <laughs> yeah, nobody talked to me. I'm just going to get the work done. Right. Yeah, my wife is just sitting back like, I'm going to make it mad more often. <laughs> Nice. This is the first time we've had an episode done before, like, a Sunday. I know. So, again, being a list person, when we first started this, I was like, we need to take Instagram pictures. We need to do this. And we were on, like, a recording schedule, and we had um, the first three episodes done before this launched. And then we had to, we kept, like, a week ahead. Oh, my God. That could have And then there was one week, but I just remember calling Maddie and being like, I can't. I can't this week. Like, I, I'm literally so burnt out. I just can't record. And then it came to us last week where we almost didn't have an episode for this week. And I'm like, shoot, we can't do that anymore. So now we're like, we got to get back on the schedule of being a week ahead. Right. All right, guys, that is it for now. Thank you so much, Dan, for coming on and telling us about yourself. Thanks for having me. No, for real. Anytime you want to come on, give us a call. Thanks. We'll fly you out again. Oh, <laughs> You can go give us a follow on Instagram at the Sad Sisters Podcast. Are you going to talk about suicide this weekend? Yeah. Keep Woo! up with us next week because uh, we're going to talk about suicide. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs>